Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. Amen. Please be seated. I'm just old enough to remember the SNL skit in which the shark would come up and surprise somebody and eat them and just making sure no shark comes at me. We had an incredible vacation Bible school. Uh, cheers to Sarah Plummer for her incredible organization. Uh, she does an amazing job with it. She gave um, me the, the station in which we repurposed items in way of teaching kids that you can repurpose things and you don't just have to throw things away. But um, one of the things we had to put together was kinetic sand. And I hate sand. And, 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 and somehow all of my kids' kinetic sandbags have been thrown away. I don't know how it happened. Um, but I never felt a kid so much as he came up to me on the second day and he said, my mom made me throw away my sand because she says it's messy. And I said, your mom is right. I don't know if my feelings on sand um, really raise to the level of fear or um, anxiety, but Jesus in today's gospel lesson tells us, don't be afraid. And really what Jesus is saying, they're not a fearful, like I'm afraid of the shark coming to eat me, but an anxiety that grips, grips me. Jesus is saying to his disciples, don't let anxiety control you. Now, I suffer from anxiety disorder. Therapy and medication have helped tremendously, but it doesn't stop that, 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 that trap of fatalistic thinking that sometimes grasps me. It doesn't stop panic attacks that sometimes disable me. So when I hear Jesus saying, don't have anxiety, I'm like, Jesus, then deliver me from my anxiety. There seems to be two broad ways in which we talk about fear and anxiety. For some Christians in the Christian culture, they see anxiety and fear as an obstacle to relationship with God. We fill people with inspirational quotes like, Christ, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, or as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Things that we needlepoint and place on exercise shirts so that we can believe in the wholeness of faith and we don't have to feel anxiety. But that doesn't work. No inspirational quote, no needlepoint will necessarily always deliver me from those moments of panic. The Christian church, in the name of a strong faith, has often shamed people for having doubts and fears and anxieties. On the secular side, they don't offer much more hope. People who just sit there and say, well, just do it on your own, as though faith and life have nothing to say to one another. I've heard multiple times from people who will say that in the Gospels, the opposite of faith is not doubt, but it is fear. 
and I believe that actually to be true, think of the disciples who are on board with Jesus. The storm comes upon them. The disciples are afraid, and they call out to Jesus. And Jesus responds with a really pastoral message, ye of little faith. Simply saying that the opposite of doubt, the opposite of faith isn't doubt but fear is not the good news that some people think it is. Because I am filled with fears. I worry whether my kids will be liked at school. I worry whether my kids can go to school safe. I worry whether I will have enough in retirement. I worry that I will fail and disappoint people. I worry that Brent Venables is not as good of a coach as I think he is. Fear and anxiety are not an obstacle to a life with God. No matter how much we stress Belief and trust is virtues. And listen to me. I believe that having faith and trust is a good thing. But struggling with faith and trust is not the failure we are made to think that it is. Because we find in the gospel stories that the disciples are filled with anxiety. Jesus, we left our nets behind. How are we going to have enough to eat? Jesus, we only have two fish and five loaves. How are we feeding all of these peoples? Jesus, I've left my lucrative career as a tax collector. How are we going to afford supplies? Jesus, that nard could have been sold and given to the poor. Dr. Chang, who teaches at Duke, Divinity estimates that in the 29 stories in the Gospel of Mark, when people come to Jesus to ask him a question, in 27 of those, that there is some sort of earthly anxiety that is the prompt for them to reach out to Jesus. Our fears and anxieties are often the very place where we encounter Jesus when we realize we don't have it within ourselves. The moment that we feel that there is nothing that we can do. The woman who bled for years without healing. The paralytic who is lowered into his friend's house. The demoniac who needs to be freed from demons. The parent whose child is sick. Storms, sins, abuse of governments. All of these prompt fear and anxiety in people that cause them to come to Jesus and say, Jesus... Can you help me? In these moments, people turn to Jesus for help and deliverance. So why should we feel guilty about having our own doubts, our own worries, our own fears, and our own anxieties? Fear and anxiety is not an obstacle to relationship with God, no matter how many good quotes we can find in Scripture that affirm The goodness of trust. That our anxieties and our fears, those moments in which we don't think we have it in ourselves, is the moments in which our faith can often go even deeper. 
the danger in the Gospels often seems to be that people, rather than turning to God for their trust and their faith in the midst of their fear, turn to their possessions and their wealth as a kryptonite to anxiety. This is the caution that Jesus provides to his disciples in this week and last week's gospel stories. Don't worry about building bigger storehouses just so that you can have more stuff. Don't trust in your earthly treasures, but trust in God who never fails. Now, let's all be honest. Many of us probably find some comfort if we open up our retirement account and it shows that we have more money than we thought. We probably feel a little bit of fear when we open it and we see that it has gone down. But Jesus says, don't trust in those things. It's easier said than done. Jesus' teaching, Barbara Brown Taylor says, offers an extraordinary word of comfort to an increasingly threatening world. Do not be afraid. Do not have anxiety, little children. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. This is not whistling in the dark comfort, she says, but rather the reassurance that what is seen is not all that there is and a reminder that our fears attended upon earthly living need not have the last word in defining one's life. The gospel today tells us to be ready. To be ready for God showing up in our life. And that just seems to add another anxiety. Like, God, I'm not really certain I'm ready for you to show up because the towels are not even folded yet. I keep hitting the dryer again and again and again rather than actually folding the clothes that are in it. I'm not ready, God, for you to be here. And this message from Jesus of, hey, God's going to show up, oftentimes, funnily enough, is a thing that scares us rather than gives us hope. This past week, I watched a movie that somehow had passed me by, Adventures in Babysitting. The basic premise of the story, like all good 80s and 90s shows, movies, was that there was a babysitter who breaks all the rules by driving downtown to help a friend and through a series of misadventures ends up running from mobsters and having to get her car, which got shot at and had a broken tire fixed, and to get home in time before the parents got there. Right? So the goal in all of these movies is to get home before the parents do to have the kids in bed and the kitchen clean. So when we hear that God is going to show up, we sit there and go, well, the kids aren't in bed, the dishes aren't cleaned, we don't have our lives together. God, can I have one more day, please? But in the gospel story, Jesus tells us that God is not one who is coming back as a disciplinarian to sit there and say, well, do you notice all the things you didn't get done? Rather, God returns to us in the gospel as one who puts on his belt in preparation to serve us. That God returns not as a master whom we are to serve and have everything together, but that God returns to us in our brokenness and our anxieties and our fears and says, where can I help you? God does not punish but restores, and this is the good news of the gospel. 
It is for this very reason that God desires to restore us, that God can show up in the midst of our unreadiness. At Pub Theology, we're reading a book by Mother Julia Gada, and she writes this, Hope is not wishful thinking, but rather a dimension of faith that is continually nurtured by contact with the risen Lord. And we are a people of hope. Hope in the midst of anxiety. Hope in the midst of unknowns. Hope in the midst of fears. Hope when we have nothing to be hopeful about. The one thing that we know is real and true is that God is God. And for that, I'm thankful. Amen.